We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's going on, folks? Welcome to Striking Gold. Your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is brought to you by Deal Dash and BetOnline.ag. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers. And joining me tonight is the same co-host every other week. Friend and former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. What's going on, brother? Oh, man, just uh, chilling. Chilling, hanging out, watching a lot of Netflix, uh, a lot of, of, of Last Chance You. Yeah, I just I just started Last Chance You today, right before, right before I hopped on here. Oh yeah. And I, so it was just the first episode where you know, I'm, well, I won't spoil it, but I mean, it's interesting. It's good. It seems good. The the coach, I no, like I said, I just started, but at least this time it seems like the coach is kind of like a normal coach. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a good coach. I, I played against him, so um, that was a very interesting game. Uh, he seems, yeah, he seems legit. You know, like like I said, it's just one episode, but at least he's not <laughs> what we've seen in years past. Like that yeah. shit's been crazy. <laughs> I think just kind of those coaches were a little oh, I don't want to say over the top, but it's like be be a coach. And there's a lot that goes into it. And maybe there's a difference just because of 
the circumstances between junior college football in California compared to junior college football in these other places, you know, in, you know, East Mississippi and, and, um, and, and the Kansas school, uh, Indy, you know, they, they get a different caliber of athletes for the most part because they are able to like give scholarships. So kids have dorms and all that type of stuff. They, you know, they got meal plans. They don't really have to worry about much. So they're able to like attract the higher caliber caliber prospects, bounce backs, you know, what and whatnot. So maybe they talk crazy because they know like they're just getting a, getting an abundance of talent in regardless. Like I just saw on Twitter yesterday, a kid committed, like, I'm committing to Indy uh community college. Like <laughs> you know? I just saw that like yesterday. So California junior college is like, it's not like that. And when you have a good player, it's like, damn, I kind of got to put up with this shit because if he leaves, it's like, what am I going to do? We're not as deep. You don't have as many talented guys. Like, you, you're you building a junior college program for the most part around local players. So, you know, it's a little different. San Francisco City has been really good with their recruiting. Uh, San Mateo has been really good with their recruiting. You know, obviously there, there are, like, you know, good schools. But um, – uh, yeah, it is just it's it's different, but I have enjoyed it because um, one, like you said, the, the the coach he's been a lot easier to kind of just watch, and I have a few kids that I've coached and, and, and trained and all that um, playing in a lot of these games, so it's been fun kind of you know watching them on TV and and uh, you know seeing them make plays. My boy um, uh, Isaiah Downs. He plays for yeah yeah. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but talk about how how many how many of these guys since you're watching this series. How many of these guys that are that are that you've seen? Do you train? How many do you know? Like how you know how because this is that that whole series is all kind of on your side of town. So what like how many of these people do you know or recognize or have like history with? Yeah, so uh, the the first episode was against Modesto Junior College. I actually went there. Coach Stivers, he's the head coach now, um, and MJC won the game, but. Coach Stivers, he's the head coach now. He was the officer coordinator when I was there. But he didn't like me. Couldn't stand me. <laughs> um, he didn't like me. <laughs> I, was, I was a lot like, you know, I'm like calm, chill, mellow now. But when I was, you know, at that time I was 21 years old. I just got back to junior college after being out for three years. And I was really like a young, energetic. A young buck. Up. Yeah, you know, all that. And, you know, I just... I would get penalties every game, like just unnecessary penalties. I talked a lot of trash. Like I was good, but um, <laughs> he didn't care for anything that I did. Like, so he was officer coordinator then. And he just used to be like, man, like, why do you guys put up with this stuff from Crocker? But like, I was good to my coaches. I just did stupid stuff. But I played well. I was first team all conference and everything. But um, so Coach Stivers and those guys at MJC, Coach uh, Eddie, um, you know, I've been, you know, I'm in touch with them and everything still, especially Eddie on, on, uh, social media. I've so obviously I know them and there are a couple of kids from MJC that I train, uh, especially Jayon Bryce. He's a safety for them. Uh, that's, he's like my, my little son. I just FaceTimed him the other day. Uh, there are, let's see who else. Uh, obviously Isaiah Downs, I was mentioning him. Uh, he's at, uh, San Mateo. You'll see him. He scored the touchdown in that game. Uh, uh he picked up a fumble and ran it back. And I, yeah, is that I the one with, you just uh, tweeted about recently? Yeah, and I, I worked okay. with that kid, man, since yeah, since like he was like a sophomore or a junior in high school, and and um, yeah, those last two years, I, I was able to really work with him. He was on my seven on seven team, 
um, you know, obviously work with him a ton. Still work with him. You know, I got a bunch of pictures and videos, of, you know, me training him. Like, that's my guy. And I'm really happy because I didn't know how it was going to play out for him. He went to San Joaquin Delta College first, which is a local junior college in Stockton. And um, then he ended up kind of like just like dropping out. And then he was like, oh, I'm going to go work. And I'm like, Downs, like, you know, because I think his mom was in the Bay Area and he was just like, you know, I'm just going to work or something. I'm going to go to San Mateo. And I'm like, if you're going to do it, do it. But don't end up doing what I did where I, I went somewhere and I ended up sitting out. Then I'm out for three years. And a lot of people don't come back from that. Like somehow I did, but most people don't. And I was really worried about that with him. But he landed he landed in, in, in the good hands with San Mateo. They have a great defensive back coach over there. He got his hands on him, and, and Downs is, is pretty good. Now, he got beat a couple times in that game, but but mm-hmm. he's, he's a good athlete. He actually just um, – he's a D1 athlete at Sam Houston now. So, um, yeah, he just he just went over there this – for this what, this summer, right after spring. Uh, and then there's uh, Merle Bass. So, Merle, they talked about him – well, not really talked about him, but they showed him in the first episode where the coach was taking the quarter out of the guy's hands. Right. So Merle, I, I I coach Merle. I've been around him since he was a freshman in high school, and uh, him and him and Downs were actually on the same high school team. Um, but Merle, he was the one where the coach was like, "You're from Stockton," or you know, he said that or whatever. But uh, Merle, uh, tough. I mean, it. I'm glad to see he's doing good, and he made some plays um, as the season went on uh, for 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 Laney. And you know that they got to show some of them or whatever, especially against San Francisco City College. But Merle was a head case, and you know he was dealing with like you know stuff at his dad. Like I mean, we were working out in the gym, and his dad just comes comes to the gym and just takes him. Like you didn't do the dishes, come pick him up, take him home. Like so he dealt with pops a little bit, um, you know, dealing with hanging out, you know, in the streets and all that. And uh, you know, yeah, he's a he's a tough kid, but he's a good football player. So I knew if he ever just kind of got his head straight, and we tried for years, we tried, we tried, we tried, we tried. But um, hopefully, you know, it all works out at Laney. I haven't I haven't talked to him in a little while, but yeah, that was that was one of my guys. That's legit, man. I mean, that's got to be that's got to be pretty cool watching all this and and actually seeing players that that you know, or or at the very least, teams from the area that you grew up and, and you know, that you played on and all that stuff. It's yeah. kind of cool. I played that, against that. all these teams. I played against West Hills. I played against like all the teams that are showing, like I, I played against. And I'm great. Like the, I was telling somebody, I have to find this, this play. Probably the best play I've ever made. Um, chase this dude down like 50 yard. Like, I mean, it was like, a, it was going to be like a 60 yard touchdown run where they still end up scoring, but it was going to be a 60 yard touchdown run. And Man, I chased him down from behind and stripped him at the like one inch line, but just nobody else ran. Like in due thought he scored, like he thought it was over. And I chased him down and stripped him literally at the one inch line, um, forced to fumble in the end zone, but then his teammate recovered it. Uh so oh, I got I gotta reach out to to West Hills and see if I can get that play. My my college, they switched over like after my season from regular DVDs to huddle. Um, okay. So they they lost it. Like they don't have that film anymore. So I'm trying to find that play. I'm, West Hills. If anybody from West Hills is listening, <laughs> 2009 MJC versus West Hills. It was at Modesto Junior College. It was in the second half, maybe in the fourth quarter, down the right sideline. I remember it like it was yesterday. So I need that play. 
<laughs> that's funny. That's funny. But I've got a lot of football moments like that too. Where, but I mean, I was. I'm 34 years old, so a lot of the the football. I and I stopped playing football halfway into high school um, because the team I was on, they like, and they were they win they they won the championship with it, but they just ran the ball like 90 percent of the game. So I I didn't and I was a receiver slash tight end, so I didn't have much of a role, and I wasn't quite big enough to block. So I ended up switching over to golf. Made varsity all three years, by the way. Um, but I had so many moments from football that I like wish somebody like had caught on video or that I wish I still had. And every time I talk about them, I just laugh at myself because they're so long ago. And I was such, I was so young. Like it doesn't even matter, but it's like, you know, like the glory days stuff. I remember one time I caught a, I caught a, like a little five yard hitch and then took it like 15, 20 more yards with three guys hanging on my back. And I wasn't a big guy whatsoever. I just like would not fall down. Uh, you know, it was just one of those plays. It was just funny to watch. I did see a video of it, but that was like VHS. Like you had to hit the tracking and see it wasn't filmed very good. Like it's worthless now, but it was, I remember, you know, going back and talking about those days is always, (laughs) even if, even if for me, it was like not recent little kid type, you know, high school, junior high football, whatever. But all right. So 49er stuff. Uh, actually quite a lot to talk about today, which is, I mean, it's actually been the case every time. Like we've been slowly chipping away at like our roster breakdown, but we haven't been able to do as much of it as we normally do or as we'd want to do, uh, because there's always just something to talk about with this team, which is cool. That's fine. You know, and so I'd rather break down some actual news than kind of just rehash what we already know, I guess you could say. But right now, as most of you guys listening already know. Teams are starting to report for training camp. The 49ers are reporting for training camp. Now, it's not as glorious as it usually is. Normally, they report for training camp, and the next day they are practicing. But obviously, with COVID, this year is very, very different. Every player that's you know that's reporting immediately gets a test. Then they are required to go into isolation, and then they will for two days, and then they'll get another test. And... Um, if both of those tests are negative, then they're allowed to go into the facility and begin the workouts. And they have this huge ramp up period because the, all of the off season was canceled. So they're giving these players a ton of time to get back into football shape, to get their bodies going before they even start doing anything resembling practice. Because during that ramp up period, they're also going to be constantly taking, uh, they're constantly getting tested, um, every, every single day, because what their, their, their point of doing that is like, if there's going to be a case or if there's going to be anyone that gets it, they need to catch it right away in the ver- as soon as possible. That way it doesn't spread to other teammates. So that's why they're doing that. But it, the, the, it's already impacted the 49ers. Richie James, uh, wide receiver, kick returner, um, having kind of a rough offseason. Broke his wrist like a month ago. Um, so he, you know, I think that was supposed to be like a two-month deal, three-month deal. Uh, and then he was actually the first player on the 49ers to, I believe, test positive for COVID. And so he's on the on the COVID, you know, like the reserve COVID hold on, list. Hold on, hold on. I don't know if he – I don't think we know if he tested positive. And I don't think – you know you're probably right because they're probably like keeping that information private because it kind of should be private. And I don't think so. It's not like they like have something like, you know – like you know, hey, you well, got you got chlamydia, like you right. Well, no, no, I mean, like there's there's actually there's a lot of laws regarding 
you know, what you can and can't know about somebody's medical stuff. But that those laws really only, as far as I know, really only apply to medical personnel. Like, like your doctor can't just go tell people what he just saw you about. It's called HIPAA. Um, But it's not the same as it doesn't work the same for obviously sports and sports media and stuff like that. But, but yeah, as far as I get to your point, what they're doing right now is they kind of just get put on the COVID list, which you can get put on if they even suspect you've come into contact with someone who might have it. And weren't you, didn't you want to talk on that a little bit, Croc? Oh yeah. So yeah, I was working at this little job before I came out to Arkansas and it was like as a screener. And basically you just ask a series of questions uh, to these people that, that work at this spot. So I would ask them, um, damn, hold on. Once I get it, I, I, I'll get it. But do you, oh, have you been experiencing any coughs, shortness of breath, sore throat, chills, body aches, nausea, diarrhea, or vomiting? And has anyone in your household uh, been affected with COVID-19 uh, or suspected to have it? So if you if you answer yes to any of those questions, uh, cough, shortness of breath, sore throat, chills, body aches, nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, or anyone in your household suspected to have COVID nineteen, you say yes, you at that job you automatically got turned away, and I think that's how it is kind of everywhere. I saw a little setup like that with the uh, Atlanta Falcons with Todd Gurley, and I was like, I know exactly what that is, <laughs> you know. So they ask those questions, you answer yes. So. When it comes to guys like Richie James or some of these other guys that are being pre- uh, placed on this list, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're tested positive, but they maybe a cousin that they've, you know, you know, they could just be like, well, my cousin, you know, came over two weeks ago and you know, he had COVID or whatever. Boom. Red flag. Uh, you got to get on the list. So that's kind of how that whole thing works. Right. So, yeah. And so I was I might be a little quick to say tested positive. We don't I don't I don't know if we really know for sure why he landed on that list, which is the same thing with with there were, you know, like Kenny Galladay, the uh, receiver for the Detroit Lions. Um, no. Or the, wait. Which one is that? Is that the one on the line? That's the one on the Lions, right? Yeah. I always get him confused for the, the kind of the up and comer on Dallas. Dallas's receiver. Who's the guy that's opposite Amari Cooper? Young guy. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, Gallup. There you go. Yeah, I get Galladay and Gallup confused all the time. So, um, excuse Both me. Both good but, young receivers, though. Gallup right. was sneaky good, man. Thousand yard receiver last year. Um, was he, he really? Play. Yeah, he was a thousand yard receiver. Man, well, I mean, they throw the ball like crazy over there, but that's that's awesome. I didn't know he. I gotten, guess you do throw the ball more far. when you're losing all the time. So, I right, right. No respect. No respect. <laughs> I do have a drum <laughs> thing in here. It just doesn't play it very loud. Let me let me click ah, it again. Yeah. There, there you goes. go. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if they'll hear yeah. it when we, uh, you know, play it, but I'm gonna try it one more time. <laughs> it's so <laughs> like the little sound waves things. It's like super quiet, but that's like perfect. Yeah. I got to be ready for that next time. Um, so yeah, one thing we are seeing right now um, is a lot of players. I mean, I wouldn't say a lot of players in the grand scheme of how many players there are in the NFL. It hasn't been a lot, but there's been quite a few opt outs. Players who are electing not to play this season. Um, probably the one that you guys would be most familiar with is Marquise Goodwin, who obviously was on the 49ers last year. And he was traded to the Eagles for, I believe, a sixth-round pick swap um, during the NFL draft. And he has opted out. And if if you know anything about Marquise Goodwin's personal history, uh, you know that that shouldn't surprise you at all and it shouldn't upset you at all. Not It's not, a, like, it's not as if 
he's trying to to get away with not playing for a season. That's not how he is. But him and his wife, and let me check real quick because I want to make sure I give her her dues. I believe her name is Morgan. Yep. Him and his, his wife, Morgan, um, have tried multiple times to unsuccessfully to have children. Um, I believe they lost, he lost a son and I believe they also lost twins. Now I don't, I don't want to get something like that wrong, but I believe that's the case. And finally, recently within the past, I want to say six months or so, she was finally able to have their first child and I believe she's due for another. Um, so this man has gone through a lot and there's that, that video quick video clip that's been stuck on my Twitter for a while where Marquise Goodwin catches that 70 something yard touchdown, um, on the day that him and his wife lost their, what was going to be their newborn son due to complications. So this man's been through a lot and his decision is based purely out of looking out for his family, which, you know, hopefully I don't, obviously the Eagles fan base isn't held in very high esteem. But hopefully there's not people out there that are, are, you know, saying what I would what I think they could be saying in regards to that, because he's been through a lot. And, and obviously every every one of these players has every right to make the, the decision they want to. But at, you can tell that his has a lot of history behind it. Um, and and uh, we have some breaking news. Do we go? Yeah. Patrick Mahomes is number four on the uh, 100 uh, top 100. <laughs> is he really? Number four. Dude, we were just we were just talking about this before we went live, and I, I we were both that was like, given. Patrick Mahomes that was number one, right? Let's be, yeah, yeah, like that was like, oh yeah, well, we know who number one is. We were like, okay, well, who's number two? And I was thinking it's probably gonna be Russell Wilson or Aaron Donald, but uh, yeah, Mahomes number four. You can proceed, you know, with what you were talking about, but I just <laughs> right, right. Saw that pop up, and I was like, what? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what to tweet for this because it's just like what, <laughs> but. Much stock into it. I I like the list in this in the sense of, you know, if it's truly by the players, it puts a little things in con. And we'll get into it. I have a whole I have a whole take on that. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk about um the top one the 49ers and their five players that made the top one hundred. Uh, we're just gonna kind of get through the news, and then that's probably what we'll spend the rest of the uh, the episode talking about. So we're getting there though. John, um, so. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had, you know, just a few of the names. Um, Damian Williams of the Chiefs, he opted out. Obviously, uh, uh, their Super Bowl hero, you know, or one of the, one, you know, along with Patrick Mahomes, one of the best players that, that was in that Super Bowl or performance-wise. Um, Patriots tackle Nate Solder. Um, Patriots linebacker Donta Hightower. Um, the, uh, the, one of the Chiefs starting guards. I'm not going to try and pronounce his name because that would be horrible. So a lot of players are opting out. Um, that's not all of them. That's just some of the ones I took down. Uh, so that's, you know, it'll be interesting. And I believe they have through August 3rd. It may be August 5th, but to decide whether or not they're going to opt out. So uh, that is still to come. And, you know, we, we will find out shortly if any 49ers are on the list of players that are opting out for the season. Um, in addition to all of the COVID news and the, and the new way we're doing things, um, today – 49ers general manager John Lynch was it was announced today that he was signed to a new five-year extension. And this obviously comes uh, just about a month after they signed Kyle Shanahan to a six-year extension. So those two guys are expected to be together for another at least, you know, five years. 
if every it usually doesn't work like that just because you know people get promoted things change whatever but um it, all, if all is well then they're going to be together for another five years through 2024 which is deserving i i have no problem with how john lynch has conducted himself if anything i'd say i'm impressed given kind of like how kind of much how it was kind of viewed as a head scratcher when he first signed him at least it surprised everybody um and i feel like obviously they have their misses but so does every gm in the league and i feel like they've done he's done along with kyle shanahan uh, the two of them have done a really good job together so i don't know what do you think rock i like him um I don't know how much of a player personnel guy he is. I've heard different things like, you know, maybe he's not good at all at evaluating talent. I, I don't know. But I think for what he is, and, and I know I, I've seen a lot of tweets today and previously about, you know, promote Adam Peters to GM and, and have, you know, John Lynch, you know, over, you know, president of player, whatever. Uh, but, you know, they got a good little mix going. Um, I think I think John Lynch has been great for you know really kind of being the face of the front office. Right. For sure, I think he's done a, a, really an amazing job. I mean, they had to weather the storm of a terrible first year, like not winning any games until like week ten, um, and then week and then year two, you know, uh, you know, losing your starting quarterback, you know, third game of the season, uh, just. A bunch of ups and downs, and I mean, well, downs, downs, and then boom, <laughs> up. And they, 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 they. Well, at least John Lynch, the way he kind of talked about it was, you know, they were sticking, sticking by their plan, their philosophy, what they felt was going to be the recipe for longevity, um, and not just going for it in one year. You know, trying to make this thing last and building it the right way, and. I'm pretty sure he has his hands. I mean, obviously we know Kyle Shanahan's the guy, but John Lynch has his hands in it to a certain extent. And I think half the battle is just the GM and the head coach being on the same page, understanding what they're trying to do, understanding the players that they're trying to build, uh, bring in. And I think in, in that sense, they've done a great job. And, you know, we all know there's a there's a great saying, you know, have people that know more than you around you. So, you know, if John Lynch isn't the greatest uh, player evaluator and all that, he brought in some guys that that help him with that. And I think everybody does their job great. And I, I really like how they've kept the team in in, in place when, when it comes to Lynch and Shanahan. Uh, great pairing, works well. Uh, Lynch is the wingman. And, you know, I really like how I'm glad, I'm glad they got it done. Yeah, me too. I don't. Don't you I mean, just feel just... like, like confident when John Lynch starts talking about the the plans and the views and where they're going, and even when something goes bad, he's really open and honest about it. Uh, I really like it. It kind of, you know, I saw a lot of tweets towards uh, Matt Miller today. I don't know if you saw those, but I saw a lot of people tagging Matt. I obviously I didn't, but uh, a lot of people were saying, "Hey, what what happened with uh, you know?" They're not seeing eye to eye and all that stuff. And I think there were some grumblings about that as well when uh, Shanahan got extended, but John Lynch didn't. But this seems to kind of shut all that down for the moment, at least. Well, and what's funny, too, is I I, mean, I, I hadn't sent it yet, but I got another tweet for, for Matt Miller, too, because when, <laughs> um, when the 49ers first hired him, he posted a screenshot of 
or excuse me. Yeah, I posted a screenshot of a thread that he posted on Twitter of all the stuff that he had texted to him right when the 49ers by, I think he's, yeah, he says, um, they're just texts from NFL personnel. I think he said in the original thing that some of them were general managers and some just NFL execs. And there were a bunch of quotes of texts that were sent to him right when they hired John Lynch. So I'm going to read these off. And mm. one of them, uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to say it because we cuss every now and then on here. But yeah. so the first one, it says just what these are all, like I said, these are all texts that he apparently had sent, sent to him. Just what they need. Another safety who can't cover dumb mm. as fuck. Jed must want to go zero and 16. Oh, and 16 for Rosen. You interview three media guys and wonder why no real football people want your job. The Browns are laughing at the 49ers right now. Those were all texts, individual texts, five different texts that Matt Miller received from NFL faces, I don't know, around the league. He obviously didn't say who sent them. I want to um, know when are you going to tweet this out? Because <laughs> when are you going to tweet this out? Uh, I mean, I can send it right now. I was just waiting. No, I mean, I was I was just going to wait for the top 100 hype to kind of die down, obviously, because everybody's okay. talking about that right now. But. Um, I put, I put, and you guys are getting a preview of, of, of a tweet right now, but um, I put John Lynch's five-year extension seems like a good reason to revisit this. And then I CC'd old takes exposed. <laughs> oh yeah. So, oh, um, so yeah, that was, and, and I, I'm not saying that the, you know, I'm not saying that, that was Matt Miller's opinion, but obviously he said those were texts that he'd gotten from people around the NFL. And, and to me, like I said, John Lynch is not without mistakes. His very first first two picks, two first rounders, both have been whole. You know, obviously, Reuben Foster was his own unique case of of being a bust for but for a little bit there. He looked like being the a new fucker star in, in town, that's what, right? That's what he right. more than because bust. Well, yeah, it didn't work out, but. When I think of Buzz, I think of like Jamarcus Russell, somebody like, like a that. Talent is, miss. Yeah, a talent miss. Like where it's just like, damn, we were way off base with this. Right. With Ruben Foster, what ended up happening, like we knew that could be a possibility. So it wasn't like, you know, that's why he slid. It wasn't right. with Ruben Foster, it wasn't, you know, when you think of Bust, I just think of somebody that can't play. He could play. Like he was flying around, hitting people. Like he was good. He was a good football player. Like when he was on the field, like he was good. He was making some wild plays. Like, yeah, holy! This he was could a missile. Be the league's new best. Yeah, he he was a missile. So that wasn't, you know, <laughs> you know that wasn't the, the, like bust. I, you know, but definitely he was a fuck up. Right. And 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 everybody knew it was a possibility, and it ended up kind of coming true. And that's unfortunate. But that one. I try not to – you got to take chances here and there. And I think they went the safe way, which still didn't work out with with Solomon Thomas. And then they went the – yeah, they went the more aggressive way with with Foster and swinging, you know, and it didn't work out. But I don't consider him a – I guess a bust because it didn't work out, but it was really more because a fuck up. And, right, but right. something no, that I, people knew could happen. Like, it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, this is like, we just weren't expecting this. I think we all knew uh, it was kind of a possibility. You know, he was like such a great guy to the media and everything. He was. He was super funny. Um, yeah, and he had kind of a, a really 
likable personality and, and and you know you could see why the 49ers may have thought that he would he could turn the corner um you know because like you said there were signs beforehand about you know when he got kicked out of the combine for getting into it with medical staff and, and there were some other things here and there and obviously he he had his um he got caught with like while it was a huge bigger deal he got caught with like weed and out, out of state and then you know then there was all the stuff with his girlfriend fiance whatever have you and not to downplay that, but obviously everybody knows how long, you know, everything that went into that. And so it wasn't necessarily, when I say bust, I just usually mean like it didn't work out, you know, and, and that could be for a number of reasons. But when it comes to John Lynch, I mean, I have loved the way him and Shanahan have been aggressive. I love the way they have just made moves that are not foolproof. They're not always safe, you know, but they went after D4. They went after, they, they, picked up Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, they traded away to Forrest Buckner and, and, and they've, they've just made moves. They, they've signed Richard Sherman just days traded after. He was cut the, right. And yeah. Traded for Emmanuel Sanders, a guy who they didn't even end up keeping because they felt like he would be that missing piece to take them all the way. And, and he, he essentially he didn't, they didn't go all the way, but you could see how big of an impact he had. So I've just, uh, I've appreciated their willingness. They just traded for Trent Williams. You know what I mean? Like, I just appreciate their aggressiveness and their 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 willingness to do what they feel they need to do, despite whatever risk might be coming along with it. And that's probably the same ret- the same thought process they had behind Solomon Thomas. The same also thought though, process. They they do what they feel like they have to do without doing what they feel like they don't need to do, which is maybe give up, you know, valuable you know draft picks. Uh, that may kind of hinder the future a little bit, right? With, you know, not giving up two first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey, not giving up multiple first-round picks for Jamal Adams. You know, just you right. know, just stuff like that where they're just like, nah, like we have a vision, which I did too. I, everybody was saying it, and I'm like, ah, oh, man, I just watched Marcel Harris, and I was like, man, I really like him. And I, I think he's a terrific football. Not saying he's, you know, uh, Jamal Adams, but I was watching him, I'm just like, I'm getting excited when I'm watching this guy and the way he's flying around and moving around and making plays and jumping routes and forcing fumbles and Marcel here. I, I really liked his film. I don't know, you know, and I know we have a tart, very safe, doesn't make enough plays, but when I say it doesn't make, I mean like taking the ball away, forcing fumbles, stuff like that, but really good football player. So it's like, man, you know, okay, trade for Jamal Adams, I get it, but not at the expense of giving up a lot of, you know, assets when, you know, we have some good safeties, um, including Jimmy Ward. So, yeah, they, 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 I don't think they ever do something that they feel like, 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 like I can see them doing what the Seahawks just did, which for the Seahawks, it might work. That's what they do, right? They, they, they'll give up a high draft pick, not really care, um, you know, about their end of, you know, day one uh, picks and, They'll swing for the fence with a guy. They did it with Jadavion Clowney last year, and if it doesn't work out, whatever. But that just doesn't seem to be Lynch and Shanahan's philosophy. Well, and it, it, like you're saying earlier, it just seems like they always have a plan. Like every every move they've made, for the most part, there's a very clear reason why they made it and what they're trying to do. Like like you know, their first round in the, of the NFL draft this year. You know, it was so obvious. And it may, it was just so common sense what they did. Obviously, they didn't feel like they were going to be able to play Buckner twenty plus million dollars um, while also signing George Kittle to I don't know fifteen plus. We'll see. 
Um, so they traded away, they traded him away and got a first round pick. And obviously that's a loss of a big time talent, but they took the pick they got for him and drafted who they felt was the best defensive lineman in the NFL draft. And then they let Manuel Sanders go, didn't re-sign him, saved themselves some money. And then they went and took Brandon Ayuk with their other first round pick, you know, and traded up a little bit to get him. And then you just look at it. You're like, okay, it's like a straight swap and that there's no guarantees that Ayuk will be anywhere near Emmanuel Sanders. There's no guarantees that Kenwa will be anywhere near Buckner. But it was very, very obvious what they were doing and what their plan was. And they, you How know, many it, times it, did they leave you scratching your head? I don't, uh, I can't really. I mean, right. I was that, that, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, like right. it, it always seems to make sense. Uh, right. So, you know, whereas like, okay, okay, I see where you're going with that. Oh, okay, you, you, okay, dang, you. You lose Buckner, or you trade a Buckner away for it first. Oh, dang! You lost Emmanuel Sanders. Oh, you draft Kinlaw. Oh, you 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 draft uh 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 Ayu. It makes sense. Oh, dang! Joe Staley retired. Oh, you traded for her. right uh, right. It's like everything. It always seems to make sense. Now that's not saying that it's always gonna work. And I don't want to like kiss their ass like these dudes are perfect, but a lot of the moves that they've made is like I I get it. Like I understand it. I see the vision. I see what they're doing. Even if it, if it doesn't go exactly how you know they plan, you you see what they were trying to do, and yeah, they they haven't really left me with any like, what the hell's going on? Well, actually, when they drafted Mike McGlinchey, but then they traded Trent Brown the next like the next day. So you know, right, yeah, right, <laughs> and then Mike McGlinchey has been great. So it's like uh, you know, yeah, uh, I'm not saying uh, you know he, but he's been good. He's been good, and, it, and you can see the the personality that they also account for. And, and you know, what's funny too, is when they signed, when they, back in the day, when they signed Yushek to that contract and everybody on social media was like, what the hell, why would you pay a fullback this much money? And then like, nobody's saying that anymore because he, they, they saw how they used him and how important he was to the offense and, and all the different ways Shanahan takes advantage of him. And it's like, you know, everything's just uh, like I said earlier, they've had their misses, they've had their mess ups, but everything just, for the most part, makes sense, and that, and it all came together, and that's why they competed for a Super Bowl last season because of the moves that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan decided to make. Because I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast remembers what this roster and coaching rotation was like before those two guys stepped into this building, and there's there's no better. I mean, the, the saying is there's no better revenge than success. You know, not that these guys needed to get revenge on everybody, but obviously they just stepped in and proved that they were who Jed York thought they were, and they and they could do their thing. Now they're getting into the hard part of the business, where they're they're up against the salary cap. They've drafted good players, they've signed good players, and they got to try and keep them around. I mean, we just saw how much Joey Bosa signed for with the Chargers, and Nick Bosa is by all intents and purposes is should it, if nothing changes he's going to get a lot more than that so you know they're up they're in the hard part of their career now where they have to they have to play chess not checkers and they have to manage the salary cap they step when they stepped in they had a ridiculous amount of that and, and now they don't anymore and so you have to really be careful about who you're kicking around and who you're drafting matters even more because it's you have to hit on players so that you've got good players on cheap contracts like George Kittle that they've taken advantage of over the past three years. So anyways, but 
before we carry on, because we got one more little news bit to cover, and then we'll get into all the 49ers players in the top 100, but we got to get into our sponsors. We have a new one for you this week, along with Old Faithful Bet Online, but we have Deal Dash. So, have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believed. They have over a thousand auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts just every 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon signing up on top of their other discounts. So go to DealDash.com and use the offer code and get on to DealDash. And that's DealDash, okay? Big long word, D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H, okay? We have a promo code for you. I'm going to give that to you shortly. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code STRIKE or DealDash.FM forward slash STRIKE. That's S-T-R-I-K-E. That's Deal Dash, D-E-A-L. D-A-S-H dot F-M forward slash strike. So go over there, show your love for the Strike and Gold podcast and make sure you use our promo code strike to get your 100 free bids upon sign up. Also, like I said, Old Faithful, bet online. Sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is Finally, kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they did to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic, with an F rather than a P. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use your promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline is your online wagering experts. All right. So, in addition to John Lynch, he's not the only 49er that got blessed with a new contract. Uh, Yesterday... I believe it was, or two days ago, uh, Raheem Mostert, who, you know, popped up on the headlines as of late because he requested to be traded after apparently months of trying to negotiate a new contract that he felt would be more fair with the role that he was slated to take on, which is pretty much running back one. Now, we all know how Shanahan views that. And he likes to to mix it up, but... um. He was recently got a reworked deal. He requested to be traded, but uh, I I can guarantee you the 49ers were like, nah, we're not going to do that. And just so you didn't have a disgruntled player, uh, they went back to the drawing board and they worked up a new contract for Raheem, 
who essentially was given a new signing bonus or on, in other words, guaranteed money that he's going to get no matter what. And then they also put into his deal, a healthy amount of incentives. So his like base salary stayed right around the same, about 2.8 million. Um, but they added about almost double that in incentives. So I, I, I haven't, I don't know the exact incentives yet, but he, if he meets those incentives, he can double his contract and become the 49ers highest paid running back. I believe Tevin Coleman's at like 4.6 million, somewhere in there. Um, and Raheem would be able to jump above that and be well into five, the $5 million range. So they, you know, I'm not really sure in terms of the grand scheme of how that process could have gone, um, how, how, how much they took care of Raheem, but it, he seemed happy. I just talked to him yesterday. He was in the middle of his quarantine thing and he FaceTimed me and was like, Hey, what are you doing? Let's, let's play Warzone. I, I can't do anything else. So he was, uh, we got on and played some games and, and just from what my, I'm not, obviously I'm not going to talk about everything you said, but um, he's happy. He's, he's glad he got it. He got it done. He seemed happy to be here and he never, despite the trade request, he never wanted to leave the 49ers. He was just trying to kind of, you know, kick the situation in the butt a little bit, get it moving. And, and that's essentially what happened. And he was glad that he was still with the team. Uh, he shared the same sentiments that I shared when in the previous podcast, when I said, like Raheem has a very interesting and a very inspirational story. And I feel like the 49ers should be where that story progresses for now. And, you know, obviously I had a whole lot to say about, about the, you know, the pluses and minuses of his trade requests, but you know, he's, he's just happy and he's happy. He's still with the team. He's happy. He gets to take care of his family. He's happy. He's happy. He gets to earn more money, the more he eats. And so, uh, you know, that's what he had to say. What was your take on, uh, on the Raheem Mostert news there, Crocker. Yeah, nah, you know, I, I was excited for him just, you know, for him to get an opportunity to be able to earn more money. And there were a lot of people that were like down on him after that. And I was like, man, like, as an athlete, look, you got to look out for you and you kind of got to do what, what, you know, when you have an opportunity to capitalize on the situation, you know, you, you got to do it. Now, I know not everybody's going to agree with the, you know, the way that he went about it, but well, you know, it's like, the contract he just signed, like that was a special teams contract. And they asked more of him and he exceeded what anyone probably thought and was better than any other rusher on his team. And there's a lot of guys that think like, well, you know, the the, the 49ers, they 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 changed their running back so much and he's not gonna get a lot of carries. Well, I, I'll say this. There was a stretch uh week two, or not week two. Let's see, let's see, week five, six, and seven for Tevin Coleman, 16 carries, 18 carries, 20 carries. You know what I'm saying? Um, now, right. I think after that, sure. we started seeing, like, you know, Mostert kind of, like, really kind of take off. But uh, there are, like, he will lean on the back. And I think everybody just thinks it's just, all oh, running back by committee. Like, he'll give a guy carries. And in some of these games, I'm looking at Tevin Coleman's, like, yards per carry and stuff, and I'm just like, one yard – Two yard, like it's kind of like crazy. So, I think most of should get you know a real opportunity finally for the first time and really get to compete for RB one carries. Um, how many of that ends up being at the end of the season? You know, obviously we don't know, but I think it'll be more than what he had this past year. And I think he'll have an opportunity to maybe rush for like be a thousand yard rusher. I think, you know, I, I said it on the last pod. Like, do they absolutely need Mostert? Like, no, but. 
when you have him, he makes your team better. I was watching uh, the Tampa Bay game earlier, and he had a, a 30-yard touchdown that, that got called back. And it was like, you know, he put his foot in the ground and just ran into the end zone and made it look so easy. He outruns the angles, and that's really tough. And there were a couple other runs in there where I'm like, dang, I don't remember this run, where it was like really good, tough, physical uh, runs where, one, he stiff-armed two guys to the ground, stiff-armed their first guy, stiff-armed the second guy, made a guy miss, then lowered his shoulder on another guy. And I was just like, man, that was a good run. Like, he has a, he ha- he's not just a speed guy. I think he has a little bit of wiggle to him and all that. Like, I don't know, man. I'm excited to see, you know, him get a real opportunity, man. Like, and I hope he goes off because there are a lot of people talking really bad about him. So, uh-uh. Oh, and he, he read it. He he knows. He he told me, he was talking to me while we were playing Warzone, and, and he said he would talk to me about it on more detail on, like, the phone because he didn't want – because I was streaming at the time. Oh, um, yeah. But he uh, – he knows he he's read a lot of stuff and and obviously he probably isn't like necessarily keeping receipts on your average 49ers fan but apparently there were some members of the media or whatever somebody that he said I would know them uh, that he kind of just noted you know based on the things they were saying and uh, what's it's interesting that you mentioned you know the kind of the angle thing cuz we were talking about that too and and Raheem thinks and I'm sure there are a lot of NFL players that would say this but you can see it in the way he plays and the, the the plays he makes, but he thinks he's the fastest player in the NFL. And he, and he even said that, you know, in words of words, but he even said before he left, Marquise Goodwin told him that he was faster than him. And I, I would I, not doubt it. If you look will, at that, that's what I always look at. Like, especially when it's the offensive players, cause I was a defensive guy. So I always look at how does the offensive guy make the defenders feel? And when I look at him and how he runs the ball, it's clear, like it's clear that his speed is throwing off their angles. I, I saw some people like, well, he runs through these wide open holes, and then look, like he just look, look at these terrible angles that the defenders take. But it's like he's making them take that angle, right? Like, yeah, like they, they're, that's dude, they're that taking the angle that what? would work on a normal person, right? And it's like he's blowing by that, and then that, that goes, dude, that goes back to what we were talking about in training camp when like. Nobody would ever give credit to a defensive player when they would jump up and make a pass breakup. They'd be like, oh, man, that was a crappy throw. That receiver should have had that. And I'm like, why is nobody willing to give a defensive player any credit out here? And that's the same thing, but in, like, reverse. Like, everybody's yeah. like, oh, man, that guy just took a bad angle. I'm like, dude, that guy's running a 4-3 right now. Like, that that's the reason they're taking these bad angles. Right. And when you over – and then when you take an angle that's, like, you're too far up and you kind of – like give him, I don't want to say too much credit, but you you give him too much respect, then he comes back on you like he did Earl Thomas in the Ravens game. So right. and then and then just exactly. jogs in for a touchdown. So this dude, man, he 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 really has some game changing ability. Remember that like that screen he caught against the Bengals? How he just kind of like like he ran went right in between the- two guys who were like two yards from each other. <laughs> yeah, no, but- his speed is different, dude. It's really on some Chris Johnson type stuff. I don't want to compare him to Chris Johnson and say, oh, he's that guy because, you know, that was, you know, CJ2K, right? Ran for 2,000 yards. But they they have a similar kind of running style where they just look like they're floating, right? It doesn't look like they're it's running hella hard, but they're just running <laughs> really fast. And they just kind of get through there, and, and it's really hard to judge it. And it's a big play waiting to happen at any moment. And I really think that, that that's – that's him. That's Mostert. 
I think with more carries, I think he can. I think I, I don't see any reason why he couldn't average five and a half yards a carry for a season and really be a, a factor because he's so fast. It throws everything off. I'm telling you, I'm looking at these defenders, the touchdown against the Saints, and I don't want to. Like, I'm not making it seem like he's just the greatest running back ever. Like, I hope that's not how it's coming off. I'm just looking at what I see and how he's affecting defenders. And it's really, you could tell, he changes the way they're, they're taking these bad angles, but his speed is forcing it. And I think they're kind of misjudging how fast this guy really is. He needs more touches. Right. And then you were about to mention it, too. The, the touchdown against the Saints, where he broke right through the middle, and, like, the safety in one of the corners or, or a linebacker were both – converging on him from either side and he just they they both misjudged his speed he, he you know his Raheem Raheem's ability to to get to max speed quickly is is really impressive and that's what forces all these angles and they both missed him and ran into each other and then he ran into the end zone and threw the ball right at Johnny the 49ers social media guy and um <laughs> And it just was another one of those plays where people just misjudged. Like we said, with against the Bengals, those both those guys kind of had him dead to rights, but he just turned on the burners right through the middle of them. And they were like two or three yards apart, but they just, in that split second, they could not adjust to yeah. how fast he was running. And he's, like I said, when we were playing Warzone, he, he thinks he is the fastest player in the NFL. He thinks that he could, he was a former track guy. And he thinks he can beat any player in the NFL at a hundred yard dash because that's what he did. Uh, his hundred yard dash time was a little bit faster than Tyreek Hill's. He thinks Tyreek could beat. He 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 said that he thinks Tyreek can beat him in a forty, but he thinks he can beat everybody else if it's just kicked out to a little bit longer. Well, think about uh, it and, like this too. I mean, why was right. he such an amazing gunner? You know, when you start right. talking about like you know longer distance ball in the air, right? When Punts the balls in the air, you know, 50 yards or whatever. Um, he's the first guy down there every time making hits, big hits, and was a special teams ace, like able to use that speed as a gunner. So it's not like he's just showing it for the first time, you know, getting the ball in his hands. And really, if you kind of go back, most people probably won't go back this far, but I don't know why I just always re remember weird stuff. He had over 100 yards in the first preseason game against Kansas City uh, in 2017. He ran for over 100 yards in that game, and he looked like he was doing the same stuff. Like, you know, but, you know, it was like, well, who's this Mostert guy, right? Because nobody knew who he 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 was, so it didn't really, like, matter, you know? But he ran for over 100 yards in, in that game, and I bet if people go back, he was doing the same exact stuff. He just needs opportunity. He needs touches. Right. Yep. I'm happy that he uh, – like I said, it's for mostly selfish reasons. And what's funny is Raheem also tried to give me – to give me a little bit of shit because when we first about talked about his trade request, like I, you know, I have to talk about both sides of the argument and, and kind of the pros and cons of what he was doing, you know, about how I talked about how I wasn't sure it was a smart move from his agent's perspective. I wasn't sure if it was a smart move to leave Shanahan's offense that is going to take care of running backs and all these things. And, and like I said, it was just positive and negatives and, and he tried to give me shit. Um, uh, while we were playing about how, uh, you know, the things I said. And I was like, look, dude, I can't just get on there and for 30 minutes say, Raheem's my friend. I love that guy. Just pay him. Like, <laughs> right. keep him around. And, but that's and what I did. I don't even know him. I got on Twitter right. and I said, I said, hey, man, get your money. 
I don't right. know. So you can, I, I feel like you're kind of a bad friend and you should have showed more support for your guy. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and what's funny too is another guy in the party in that moment actually listens to our podcast. Shout out to Andrew. What up, brother? Um, and he was like, no, no, he didn't. He had your back. You could tell he had your back. You just, you, he has to talk about every aspect of it. And everybody was laughing. It, it was funny. It was a good time. But Raheem That's is a fun. very, very, very good person. Um, one of the nicest guys with the nicest players I've ever met. He always made time. Every time we got to go in the locker room, he'd always make time to talk with me, talk with me. Um, and it seemed ex- excited to see me and stuff. And obviously we play Warzone and stuff together. So I'm very happy that he gets to stick around. And, and obviously that goes against whatever journalistic integrity we're supposed to have as far as just staying neutral about something, but my, it doesn't really matter. And, and it's, it's cool that, that he got that, that taking a risk and requesting a trade, which is risky, uh, um, you know, worked out for him in, in the way that he wanted it to work out for him. And, uh, you know, hopefully, like Kroger said, he gets his touches and he eats because with his, you know, he doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires, man, because he, he's been cut by so many teams and he hasn't been really leaned upon as that, that running back one ever. And, you know, he's been mainly a special teams guy. So he's got a lot to show. And I think that, that, you know, given the chance to be the starter and to get, you know, 75% of the touches or 60% of the touches, like he can really go off and, and it's going to be fun to see if that's the case, you know, but, and the last thing we should probably roll on today is uh, we just wrapped up today. uh, The NFL's top 100 list, which I mean, I, I guess 49ers went to the Super Bowl. I shouldn't be surprised at how many people they had on the list. They essentially had six players on the list, but you count them as five because Buckner was on the list, but he obviously was traded to the Colts. So technically he's not a 49er anymore, but obviously the, his play on the 49ers is what got him onto the list. Um, but just to kind of uh, encapsulate all the players that were on the list, you had Fred Warner uh, at 70, which is, a, a in my opinion, a, a really good nod to him because he, you know, a former third round guy that's just kind of been slowly making his name. And now that he, now that his players, and you can argue the validity of the list and how it's voted upon, whatever. We're just going to talk about it for now, like it matters. And, you know, if players are actually voting on this stuff and whatever. But Warner was 70th. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo was 43rd. Richard Sherman was 28th. Nick Bosa, a rookie, was 17th. And then George Kittle, which was just on there today and landed at seventh in the NFL. So, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive right there. What are your kind of what's your what's your I know that you you had something specific to say about Garoppolo that you got from from Haberman and Middlecoff. So what's what's your your take on that? And then just the kind of the list in general. Yeah, well, I'm a big promo code ham fan. (laughs) Um, I listen and it's cool. They they both follow me now. Um, and like, even when I talk about them, I don't tag them because I don't want to look like, you know, one of those people, but I, you know, I I just think that their, their, their podcast is like, kind of like us, right? I mean, just talking about 49ers, but it's just two guys like talking, but you can tell like they have like a high level of intelligence. Like they're smart. Like they're not just talking out of their ass, but it just sounds like two men talking. But it's like good sports talk, and and I appreciate that. So I'm listening to them talk, and they're talking about on the top hundred list, and and they also talked about the other list too. Uh, I want to say the uh, CBS Sports, they, right? No, is it like the general managers or yeah, some kind of you know? I thought it was CBS, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe 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 it was, but uh, not not general general managers, but per, some kind of personnel people. Um, they make this list, 
And I think Jimmy Garoppolo was like 17th on that list, I think. Yeah. Or something like that. But anyways, um, Jimmy G at 43. And Middlecoff made some really good points. Uh, one that he said, he said a lot of people complained about it. He doesn't think, he thinks that that's about right for Jimmy G. He said that if you ask players about anybody, right? Like if you if you just talk to a guy, you know how sometimes they have like, you know, a guy, oh yeah, you know, he does this very well. They give a little scouting report, right? And he was talking about that and saying, if you asked a player early in the season, like if you asked the Bucks, they're going to have a certain opinion. Bucks players are going to have a certain opinion, uh, opinion of Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, overrated. Maybe not so good. But if you ask like, the Rams or 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 maybe not the Rams. I mean, you know, but he made some high-level play. If you ask the Saints, ask the Saints players about Jimmy Garoppolo and what kind of, like, response are you going to get from them. So a lot of it is based on, like, you know, if guys played against you or not or how you played in that moment. But down the stretch, obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo played extremely well. So those people, they're going to have a higher level of respect for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but he – he and then he made another point talking about um, how – there are a few points he made, and I'll probably I'll try to touch on them. I'm really going off the top of my head. I didn't really take notes. Um, <laughs> one, fans, they don't see every game. We've seen every Jimmy Garoppolo throw of his career, especially since he's been with the 49ers. Um, I couldn't tell you every single throw or play of somebody like Kirk Cousins, right? I mean, we see him in the big moments, but we don't see every single game. So, obviously, our opinion and how uh, – we feel like Jimmy can play at a high level is because we've seen it so many times where a fan, their biggest opinion might just come from, you know, the Packers and Vikings playoff games. And then a, a missed throw in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. And they're kind of uh, forming their opinion off of that. So they might say, oh, he's overrated. Um, but we've seen so many high level games and circumstances, even his first five starts with the 49ers, where it's like, nah, like, this dude's legit. Not saying he's great, but he's a really good quarterback. Not like, and then and then the last one I'll kind of touch on was when they kind of talked about him being at forty three. Was um, he was ahead of Jalen Ramsey, I believe, right? I mean, or, I'd have to I'd have to see the list. I, as I'd a have whole. to look. I he was ahead remember. of somebody, but they used Jalen Ramsey as an example, and they said this. Would you say, and, and you can answer these questions, would you say that Jalen Ramsey is a better player than Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, if you're comparing them at their respective positions, yeah, yeah. I would say right. that Jalen Ramsey is a better defensive back than Jimmy Garoppolo is a quarterback. Right. Now, if you are the Rams and you don't have golf, would you trade Jalen Ramsey for Jimmy Garoppolo? 100%. Now, if you're the 49ers, would you, right now, would you trade Jimmy Garoppolo for Jalen Ramsey? Absolutely not. So that kind of, you, you see what I'm saying there? So it's like, right. you can feel, yeah, but there's still more importance than this. And more people, more teams would, you know, especially if you don't have like that guy at quarterback, you would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo than Jalen Ramsey. And that's kind of how, you know, maybe with Jimmy Garoppolo's ranking, him being the quarterback of the team kind of took a little bit more, you know, they probably took a little bit from that. Like, that, that that's why he could be a little bit higher. So, uh, you guys got to go. It was the most recent um, Haberman and Middlecoff podcast. They record often, so I don't know when the next one's going to drop, but um, I'm pretty sure in the caption it talks about, like, top 100 
you got to listen to it, man. And it was really good stuff. They talked for like an hour and a half um, and touched on some really good stuff. I, I can't really say it exactly how Middlecoff did. Like that's his, you know, those were his thoughts, him and him and uh, Haberman. Uh, it was really good stuff. And I don't know if we're supposed to be promoting their podcast, but yeah, it was good stuff. No, no, you're, yeah, you're good. I mean, yeah. there's nothing wrong. It's just good vibes. You know what they I mean? They were putting things else. in the context. And, you know, also, you know, because they, again, that, that, uh, that whole thing where the, they put quarterbacks in tiers and Jimmy Garoppolo was in tier three, but it's like Jimmy Garoppolo is still, we don't, we still don't know exactly what he is. I think even with, like we he's played one, he started one season and we heard Kyle Shanahan on, on the Chris Sims show. And he was like, you know, like, why, why would he be done getting better? Like he's only played one year, <laughs> you know, like right. this is the first time he's starting a full season. Of course I feel like he's going to get better. And, you know, maybe guys that, you know, are around the league, league execs, uh, maybe they don't know how much better, but I think the fact that we still kind of have questions of what his upside is, maybe he's not ever going to be a tier one or tier two guy, but maybe he's just in the top of that tier three where, you know, it's a guy where you know is really good and maybe he's viewed a little bit like Cousins, but I don't think that's wrong. I think Cousins plays well, but just maybe, you know, you'll never view him like Mahomes, which, I you know, I'm fine with that. Well, and, that, and Kyle Shanahan had that quote, like you mentioned with Chris Sims, where he, where I didn't hear the whole thing, but apparently Chris Sims said, well, if you had a message to give to Jimmy Garoppolo, what would it be? And, and Kyle Shanahan's quote was, you're just getting started. Last year was your first year playing QB for a full season, and look how good you did, and look how far we got. You know what I mean? And that's that's just a really cool thing to say for Kyle Shanahan because – like we've talked about on the podcast for for a quarterback who like pretty much says absolutely nothing and does absolutely nothing out of the ordinary who just goes out there and plays and will take the blame for anything he does or he'll probably take the blame for things that he didn't even do or that aren't his fault like Jimmy Garoppolo is one of the most low-key quarterbacks I've seen in a really long time that's played pretty well but somehow has managed to be one of the most talked about and I guess you could say disrespected quarterbacks that we, that that I can remember, you know what I mean? Like, and, and it's just cool for Kyle Shanahan to step out and say like, like, dude, like I've, I, you know, and then said coach duties, but like, I've got this guy's back and I, I, you know, and he, and he, Kyle Shanahan, we know is going to be honest. We know he's going to say what he feels. And I feel like he genuinely believes that, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get significantly better. And, it, yeah. and, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. I don't think, I don't, you know, it doesn't mean that he's going to enter when into say it. significantly better. Like, can you put like, like, like what, what exactly, like when you say that, what do you expect? I think that he could, I think that he could eventually walk himself up to the conversation of, you know, maybe like top five to eight. You know, right now I'd say he's maybe I feel he's maybe like, you know, nine to twelve as far as top quarterbacks go. And I think he, he could make some pretty significant progress forward if you're if you're having to rank quarterbacks. I definitely think that he could, you know, like you said, he was like that third tier, like seventeenth ranked quarterback for that, you know, NFL league circles poll or whatever it was. But 
Like, and I feel like Kyle Shanahan believes that too. I feel like with him at the helm and, and what's, what people don't realize too, is that there's also a developmental process as a head coach, seeing what your players are capable of and what they struggle with. And Kyle Shanahan was just given a first full season of with Jimmy Garoppolo. And obviously there's going to be this, this huge element where Jimmy Garoppolo develops as a player and as a person. And, you know, after his first full season as a starter and he went all the way to the freaking Super Bowl. But there's also a huge step forward when it comes to Kyle Shanahan and his, his understanding of Jimmy Garoppolo and what Jimmy Garoppolo likes to do, what Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't like to do, what he struggles with, what he doesn't struggle with. And that dramatically changes the way you call plays and what you're willing to do. And it's not that you're it's not it's not as extreme as saying like, well, he won't call big throws because he doesn't think Jimmy Garoppolo can make them. It's just a matter of shifting the way you call plays because in Kyle Shanahan's head, he knows he's like, oh, Jimmy's going to nail this throw right now. And and you know what I mean? And there's 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 just this relationship that's going to build between the two of them. And, and Jimmy Garoppolo is going to change in what he's going to get a better understanding of what Kyle wants. And Kyle's going to get a better understanding of what Jimmy does. And that's just the nature of the NFL. And that's why Tom Brady and Bill Belichick were able to, to rise to such significant heights. I'm not saying that Garoppolo and Shanahan are going to touch that, but it's like, it's just a relationship and an understanding between the two in the same way people talk about relationships between quarterbacks and receivers. And it just takes time. And the more time you have in a system, the more comfortable you become with it. And then the more comfortable you get in a system, that's when you become confident within the system. And you like walk out there with, with like on that first episode of Last Chance You, where that guy's like, do you guys know what big dick energy is? Yeah. And, 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 and you know, and, and that's obviously for lack of a better term, he's that is going to increase more and more as time goes on. And that's not to say that every throw is going to be amazing. We know Jimmy makes those Jimmy throws, but it's just, it's a, it's a relationship and it's a process and it takes time. You know, that's, it's the same way with any relationship out there. It's just, it just takes time to develop and develop a better understanding of each other. And I feel like that gets undervalued, um, you know, and, and obviously it doesn't always work out, but, I have a lot of confidence in Kyle Shanahan and I have a good amount of confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo. And I feel like the two of them together can do what they did last season pretty regularly. Um, just cause Kyle's that good. Like it's really all it comes down to. I think Jimmy's yeah. good, but Kyle is, Kyle is really good. Right. So, it, you know, and, and that's just how it works. And I guess I kind of rambled there for Do a little bit. you think that kind of takes away a little bit from Garoppolo? Yes, but yeah, but yeah, because that's one of the first things you. Well, yeah, and he, of course, of course, he's good. He's got Kyle Shanahan as his offensive coordinator, play caller, and I'm like, man, did, did you not see the other quarterbacks when they were in Kyle's? Well, yeah, not just that, but it's just like Kyle's not the only good play caller in the league. No, of course but not. But this argument only pops up for Jimmy, <laughs> like <laughs> right, right. It's like anything he did. Well, look at his, look at his coaches, and it's just like, dude, like. What about these other fucking officer coordinators around the league like that are really good? Like, do you take away anything from from that quarterback or that player just because they play in a, a system that fits them? It's it's just it's just a an argument from the outside in. Like like you somebody would say that they'd be like, yeah, well, yeah, but he's got Kyle Shanahan, you know, and and I'll be like, okay, well, do you would you like Kyle Shanahan on your team? And they'd be like, oh yeah, of course. And I'd be like, well, then why are you using that as if it's a bad thing? Like, like it's just this 
the situation he's in. And like, like I said, with the same Patriots, Bill Belichick thing, like sometimes players just land in situations where like Joe Montana considered the greatest quarterback of all time, right there neck and neck with Tom Brady. Like he just happened to land with Bill Walsh and you had a right. really good quarterback playing with a really good play caller and great things happen. And I who, hate that. gives a shit about how or why they're happening. They're just, they're happening. Right. I, I hate that it, it turns me into like someone that always feels the need to kind of defend them. Cause I just want to like, I've kind of like, I don't want to say stepped away from 49ers Twitter, but I, I've kind of like limited my, you know, fandom, I guess you, you, you could say. Right. Uh, but I always feel the need to kind of like <laughs> defend Garoppolo just because I feel like it's just so unwarranted. I think he's he's a good quarterback. Not saying he's great, not saying he's elite. But I think he's good. And I think like when I was reading some of the comments of how they, you know, the, like just people felt about him or even other people in the media. And it was just like, dude, like, <laughs> come on, man. This dude's not that bad. Like, you know, I'm reading these tweets and it's just like, oh. Jimmy Garoppolo at 43. Throw the whole list away. And it's like, all right, man. Like, dude's not bad. <laughs> all right, all dude right. is not bad, dude. Like, come on. Right. Like, he's and at no, 43. No, We're not talking yeah. about top 10. <laughs> you no. know? Right. And it's it's just and, – and it's the same thing with me. Like, during that entire rant or whatever, like, I don't think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but I think he's good, and I think he's going to get better. And it's like if you can't – handle the minutiae of that and and the the fact that there can be a lot of different aspects of an opinion and and things can like both things can be true like could Jimmy Garoppolo does he make bad decisions and make bad plays every now and then hell yeah he does uh can he also be really good yep he can it's just that's sports like that's like you know you take it back to baseball some of the best hitters of all time batted in the 300s you you were good one third of the time you know, the rest you struck out, you know, it's like, it's just like people have this weird view that, that you know, depending on what they want to feel, they'll just magnify the part of it that makes them right. You know, and, and every, every, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's missed throw is the only one they remember from a Super Bowl where he was, he was lighting it up or at least playing at a very, very high level for three quarters, you know, and then, and then everything kind of went sour, but it happens. So just to recap it. We had Fred Warner at 70. And like I said, that feels that feels right and that feels good for him. Like he's getting some respect. And that's another player that's going to get paid pretty soon. Um, whether that's with the 49ers or not. You had Garoppolo at 43. We talked about that. Sherman in 28 also seems right. I don't know where he was as far as corners on that list. Um, I don't know how many of them ranked ahead of him, but uh, you know, that's it's it's Sherman, and he still played at a high level last year. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not that he's not showing his age, but he plays in a way that mitigates it in a way. And so, you know, obviously the league still has a lot of respect for him. Bosa at 17 is really freaking impressive because that, I believe that is the highest ranked a rookie has ever been in the NFL top 100. Um, which, which makes sense, you know, like we, everybody listening saw that guy this season, just take over games and he's a freaking rookie. And, it, you know, it's just, you know, Kyler Murray has his own set of skills. And and the four, I guarantee you the 49ers are not taking him lightly. So, obviously, the fact that the Cardinals were able to get Kyler Murray is not necessarily the greatest thing. But them getting Kyler Murray is what gave the 49ers Nick Bosa. And that was just a crazy offseason, the way all that unfolded. But, um, you know, the 49ers have got to be feeling pretty good about that. Because he just went off. 
and it was it was pretty fun to watch. I want to I want to just like pull up his stats. I wish I I don't have my PFF login right now, but the way they track stats just makes it even more impressive. But like the dude just like because obviously nine sacks. If you said nine sacks, it'd be like, oh yeah, that's a pretty good season. But everybody just watched that guy just demolish games. Yeah, he he took over games, and yeah, the the this. The sack numbers or even like the pressures. And he had a ton of them. And I don't even think that kind of really shows like just how good he was. So, you you know, even under, under oh, no, overrated. Like, really? <laughs> like, I saw those right, kind of right. under, under both. And I, I didn't say anything. But, you know, it's just like, nah, man, like, dude's hella good. I had to tell one of my homeboys, uh, he, he played linebacker at Fresno State. Uh, he also was with the Rams. But, you know, he kind of commented on there. And was just like, like, and I had to DM him, and I was like, nah, dude, like, I thought it was really clear he was the best player on the 49ers defense that was loaded. He was like, best player? I said, dude, best player. And, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was really close. And that's what like, I said. And he like, 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 nah, like, but I'm like, dude, like, and he's a Raider fan, but I'm like, dude, like, nah, he was really like, he's really like that. <laughs> and that's like, I don't have any reason to lie. I could easily say, nah, no, it was Bosa, oh no, Fred Warner or, you know, somebody, but like, I'm like, nah, man, Bosa, he's like, he's really like, and I'm rooting for Armstead. Like, I would love for Armstead to be, you know, Armstead uh, called my son, FaceTimed him for uh, my son's birthday. You know, like, you know, Armstead's a cool dude, but nah, dude, Bosa's the best player on that defense. We were talking about the defense that was number one and two in the NFL. Right. Yeah. And it was it was just crazy to watch. Like, I feel like I always had a very high opinion of Nick Bosa, as did everybody else. That's why he maintained that that number one overall draft ranking, even despite the fact that he had a shortened junior season. Um, and I feel like I was confident that like I was confident that Nick Bosa was going to step in and be good because his his qualities were he was he was pro ready as they would say like he he already demonstrated so many obviously he is a freak athlete but he won with just outstanding technique and so that's something that translates very very well over to the NFL obviously if your technique is sound you will you will you will succeed and but I still w- had no idea what was coming like I had no idea he was going to be that good and he was just, you know, like he put seasoned pros on notice. Like even Joe Staley in training camp said like, shit, like I wasn't ready for this. Like, you know, and, and he, those two would have, would have many conversations after practice where he was clear that Bosa was obviously learning from Staley, but Staley was learning from Bosa. And that's a rookie. That's a, a 12 year vet at the time learning from a brand new rookie. And that says something. And, you know, it's just. I was not prepared for how good he was going to be. And obviously if, if he can stay healthy, which he did all season long, no problem, you know, for the most part, it's, it, 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 that's going to be something else. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does because that man is, is unreal. And it's uh, just crazy. And it, <laughs> not even mentioned, like you guys have to, hopefully you guys get a chance to see this dude up close in person. Like he looks like a GI Joe action figure. Like his waist is super small. His arms and shoulders are massive. And then his legs like have to walk around each other as he walks. Like he has to step around his own thighs in order to walk straight forward. Like this dude is just a massive person. It's just 
the first time I saw him, I was like, holy shit. Like, rarely, like, dude, this is the same team with Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. You know, guys that are massive. But they just look like really big dudes. Nick Bosa looks like this weird, like, create a person in a lab, Captain America type, type deal. But, you know, you'll understand it when you see him up close in person. It's just, it's crazy. Not you, Croc, but just anybody listening. If right. if, if you see him, you'll know it's just, it's no joke, but. Anyways, what else you got, man? You got anything else? Did we miss anything? I think we touched on it all. Yeah, I felt like was this. I felt like this was a banger. I felt like this was a good podcast. Was this a good podcast? You know, we'll, we'll leave that up to the people to okay. decide. Yeah, and you guys, <laughs> hey, you got to let me know. Like, and you guys do a good job of that. But hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Rob underscore Louder L O W D E R, and you can find Croc at Eric underscore Crocker. Easier name to spell than I. Let us know that you listen to the pod. What you let us know if you agreed with something, if you disagree with something, if you're laughing at something, if you're, you know, you're disappointed in us for some reason or, or whatever it is. Just hit us up on Twitter. Say what's up. Let us know that you're listening to Strike and Gold. Um, but that's it. Good episode. Quick little hour and fifteen minutes. And so I appreciate you guys if you have stuck around all this time. Um, but that's it for us for another week, and we will uh, we'll see you in another quick uh, seven days or so. But for now, this is Striking Gold signing out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.